with the weather finally starting to drop as we get into mid-October, uh, it does bring some warmth to my heart to announce mm. that this is the one-year anniversary of the Peaked Too Early <gasps> podcast. It is? Uh, yep, with no my way. heartwarmingly delightful co-host, Oscar Saywell. Oh my uh, god, welcome. that's crazy, by the way. Wow. Sorry. Yep, welcome to episode eight of season two. I am your host, Blake Munchell. Oscar, how are you doing? I am very well. I am a little bit tired, but it was a great Premier League return, and uh, there were some great games, and there's lots to talk about, and I can't believe it's been a year since we've been doing the pod. It has been wonderful, and um, we're going to do many more, and I can't wait. Yeah. The first of 50 years of the Peaked Too Early podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to break records. will likely dissolve by that point. Yeah, probably. There's, there's no way football as we know it survives that long. Absolutely. Um, to quickly start off this match, um, Oscar decided to make a prediction for something that will happen tomorrow. So... Uh, Arsenal Crystal Palace prediction for Austin has not occurred yet, uh, but his two other predictions were both incorrect. Yeah, bad predictions. And I got one correct. I don't even remember which one, I guess. Oh, West Ham over Everton, um, giving me plus one for now. Ooh, okay. Uh, So slightly digging into your plus three lead. Maybe we could do an update on Twitter or something um, tomorrow. There you go. If I remember, I will tweet it out. If I remember, I will um, also tweet it out. Cool. All right. Oscar, I think you are going to take the lead on this one, at least for the first question, um, um, before we get into recaps. Yeah, so I just realized that, you know, we haven't chatted on the pod, or actually between the two of us that much, about the Newcastle takeover, the big, huge news that occurred how long ago now, Blake? A week, a week and a half, two weeks? I don't know. It was um, last last wednesday so about 10 days last wednesday okay so 10 days ago it's been well i guess the writing hasn't been on the wall because it was seemed like it was all blocked at one point but they resolved this issue with the be in slash be out be it whatever the the streaming issue was all resolved and the takeover went through so the saudi backed conglomerate um now owns 80% of Newcastle, I believe. Um, helped along by Amanda Staveley, who's also a part owner now. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to chat a bit about this. Um, you know 10 times more about this than I do. I don't know if you want to hear some of my thoughts first or if you want to talk about it a little bit. How do you want to take it? So I will uh, do like a you know, 30,000 foot view of okay. the events of the last uh oh yeah that'd be good i don't know kind of overall i suppose mm. this started like three years ago i believe yeah. um when amanda Stavely came to a newcastle united match uh and like publicly announced her interest in establishing a consortium to take over newcastle at the time, Mike Ashley called her some pretty uh, offensive terms um, mm. 
including a time waster, uh, which is very strange. But you know, time went on. She assembled the consortium, which is uh, 80% the public investment fund, which is an investment fund of the Saudi royal family. Um, then 10% is uh, the Rubin brothers, who are a development duo from Newcastle. Um, and the other 10% is an investment fund headed by Amanda Staveley herself. So, uh, who she is also from Newcastle, although she lives in the Middle East. Um, then, uh, for a while, it looked like things were really speeding up and it would be quite a quick process. Um, supposedly, looking back on it, you know, now that things are sort of out in the public, supposedly they got, you know, within 10 minutes of the deal being finalized back then. Um, but uh, things fell through over really just over concerns of piracy. There were a lot of speculation that there was other stuff blocking it. But now, in retrospect, it certainly seems clear that the only issue the Premier League had with it was uh, the BNQ, which is a Qatari streaming service, and BeOutQ, which Be is a Saudi uh, piracy stream, not run by the Saudis, but uh, the Premier League was under the impression that Saudi Arabia was not doing enough to get rid of BeOutQ. Um, so time went on, you know, lots of lots of stuff. There was a court case that happened uh, in which. A lot of things came uh, clear, but the main thing was that the Premier League said on record that if they could clear up the issue of piracy, they would have no grounds to block the takeover. So Saudi Arabia uh, you know, kicked out, beat out Q, um, shut down all their servers and everything, um, and are also in the middle of paying back uh, Qatar um, for like lost revenue for BNQ. Um, and that's sort of it. Uh, the takeover yeah. has, uh, you know, it's there's wild differences in what the consortium says versus what the media reports. Um, as always, you know, it's like the all the usual thing with media in Newcastle, uh, where the media is saying that Newcastle fans are, you know, demanding, you know, signing Mbappe in January and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, when the consortium has been very clear that you know they're stepping stones, uh, they want to be a Leicester or an Everton, or yeah, first, what West Ham before. currently are. Before yeah. um, the main, before most of the investment will be in uh, to the training ground, the academy, yeah. stuff like that. Um, although they have announced that Newcastle. Like, yeah. Newcastle will have about 100 million or 120 million to work Ooh. with in January, but Sheesh. that they think there are seven first team positions that need to be improved. My um, goodness me. So it's true. It's true. That comes out to about 20 million on each player. Um, yeah. And, you know, that Which is just fine, right? Yeah, for the Premier League, that's not a lot of money. No, it's not. Um, it's certainly not a lot of money, even even in this current climate. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where we stand right now. Right. Um, yeah, maybe one day soon we can do a, a bonus pod about like a. It could be fun to do a um, players Newcastle should buy slash players Newcastle could buy uh, in the next year or whatever to establish that stepping stone to the next level. Um, I will give just a few of my thoughts, none of which you will have not heard before, nothing unique coming from me. Just, I think, just wanted to talk about it on the pod the way I've been kind of processing the whole thing over the past few weeks, especially seeing as West Ham and Newcastle sort of have this like weird affinity, I think, between fans and just like the way the clubs are in general. Newcastle has a greater sort of history of success and winning trophies obviously than uh, West Ham does but in recent years there's been lots of sort of similarities between the two um so as this has takeover has happened I've been thinking a lot about what it would mean if the exact same thing had happened to West Ham which um uh, you know isn't not unfeasible I guess um first of all for Newcastle like super super amazing that uh you get to see the back of Mike Ashley who has been uh, a leech I think on the city and its people in so many different ways um, but I think what's replaced him is sports washing at its finest and I think it's working very well um, you know obviously we've seen Newcastle fans get very excited about the takeover which makes a, a ton of sense because it should push Newcastle as a football club into this into the stratosphere in the next decade um but you know we see Newcastle fans celebrating wildly and lots of them um going sort of the full nines um what did you say offensively uh yeah some celebrating offensively yeah for sure so dressing up as Saudi sheikhs changing their Twitter profiles to Saudi flags etc etc um you know the whole mentality and I'm not sure you know Blake is obviously more tapped into um what is actually happening and what the in within the Newcastle fan base and what they're actually saying i think sort of scrolling through twitter and trying to you know get into the the forums for Newcastle i i've seen a little bit of a pattern of like this idea that like Newcastle as a club will come is coming back you know like shedding its ashley tainted skin and and come, getting back to the club that it kind of used to be those those heights and i think that rhetoric is unfortunate just because you know i mean it's owned now by a state that i mean we know what it is it, you know a state that for example i think it was um with uh the guardian oh my god what's his name the guy who does the um the comics for the guardian he david um, squires david squires thank you he was like yes it's um it's a club that's owned 80% of which is owned, you know, um, that by a state that regularly beheads people. Um, I think there's an irony from, from all the events that happened just under a year ago with, with the super league stuff where there was this huge push in the UK, especially, and I'm talking broader than Newcastle now, um, to, to get football back in the hands of the fans. And, um, I think fans across the country have sort of lost sight of that with this with this takeover and the excitement of it i wanted to also touch on um some supporters groups response to this so for example united with pride they claimed that the saudi state taking of newcastle might be a quote 
positive influence to improving the conditions for the LGBTQ plus community in Saudi Arabia, which I think is a deranged statement. Um, they've, they, you know, they added a bit about how the Saudis worked with Amanda Savely, which they say indicates that the Saudis are adapting to a culture of respect. Um, I think it's sort of like indicative of, of a level of delusion that a lot of Newcastle supporters have regarding the situation and the same would be true for any club who was who is taken over by this conglomerate um this consortium i think some of the mental gymnastics and that's what i'll call them about like ah you know what about disney what about uber what about amazon you don't bash those is getting a little tiresome for me um i think it's sort of beside the point it's true but it doesn't change anything about this like specific scenario I think just to wrap up on the pitch, the future looks super exciting for Newcastle, but just like City and PSG, I think whatever they do from now on will come with this big um, asterisk. And yeah, that's that's what I've been thinking over the past 10 days, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. The I, I totally agree with you on every point you made, except for the last one. Uh, because I don't, really think anything man city or psg yes but man city i don't really think they get that little asterisk um i think for the most part people don't really care i mean there are of course people who care but i would say for the most part you know when people just people just talk about man city's dominance they tend not to say Oh, but it's all with oil money, so it doesn't really count. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think people's people's minds have very short windows. Um, yeah. And, you know, back in 2008, there was a lot of outrage over the Man City takeover. But, you know, you know how you get past that is, you know, 12 years of domination and people start to forget. Um, so. For sure. No, I think more that it should have an asterisk. Um, all those clubs were, and, and whether they do, I think is a, a like you said, a different question. Yeah, and um, talking about sports washing, I think the Man City takeover is a really good example of how that works because yeah. Yeah. very early on there was a lot of talks of the human rights abuses, um, but over time. It's just sort of turned into like, Melted oh, into oil background. money. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, and that's the big controversy. So, mm -hmm. yeah, of course. Um, finger on the pulse for Newcastle supporters. Um, most of the, you know, absolutely strange responses are on people on Twitter, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just not it's not a platform that does much good um and uh what is twitter good for uh although they have me addicted certainly um fans in newcastle um tend to be less nuanced than other fans outside newcastle um i think they are just seeing it as a, a great opportunity um and, you know, these are people who have lived in Newcastle for 50 years. So um, 
you know, they're a lot more attached to the club than I am. So I think they're just more overwhelmingly overjoyed. Um, but I don't know. I think there's a huge amount yeah. of Newcastle supporters who feel very conflicted right now. Um, and I think that's normal. And, you know, I think it's, you know, just addressing the issue of, uh, you know, fans don't really have a say in the club or any club whatsoever. Really, yeah. unless you're Hibs and, or sorry, Hearts and you're owned by your fans now. Yeah. Um, shout out to Hearts, by the way. What an amazing takeover that was. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not really much you can do other than you know not dressed up like a shake and uh, yeah for sure yeah agreed agreed yeah and you know it's important to lay on pressure um yep. you know united with pride they do a lot of good work they're yes. strange comments you know but what you know it's it's like there's people that are running that account so it's you know just yeah. the yeah. strange yeah. opinion of one person who has their Twitter account. But uh, mm -hmm. it, it, this is going to be the best opportunity for a while for people to put pressure on Saudi Arabia in the only way that you know, common people can. Um, yeah, for sure. It's not really... like Unless you're you know, Boris Johnson or Joe Biden and can end... Uh, arm sales to Saudi Arabia. You're not like yeah. what? What is? No, agreed. What are what? What's an everyday fan gonna do? Nothing. Um, yeah, agreed. So, yeah, it's a conflicting time. Yeah. But as for football in the city of Newcastle, um, they're already day one when the consortium stepped in. It was already a much more optimistic mm -hmm. outlook than there have been in the last five years easily. Yeah. Um, for example, some good stuff. The owners are backing every donation to the Newcastle Food Bank. Um, yeah. Every dollar donated gets matched. Um, even like very little things. Like uh, there was a story that came out today of a fan who had accidentally left his tickets at home. And you can do ticket reprinting at the ticket uh, concession stand. And he went up and he's like, yeah, I forgot my tickets. I need to reprint them. And the guy printed the tickets and gave them to him. And he was like, oh, where do I pay? Because for the last 15 years, if you want to get your tickets reprinted, you have to pay uh, $3 per ticket. Uh, and the guy at the ticket stand was like, oh, you know, we're not doing that anymore. The new owner said, don't worry about that. Um, so just like very ticky tacky little penny pinching things that Mike Ashley did, you know, to save like what ticket reprinting sales would make him, you know, what $200 per match day. Um, and it's just a very, there's a lot of little things that have been done by the consortium, uh, that are, you know, already making people very optimistic. So, yeah. Well, good to touch on it. I was looking forward to that. And um, why don't we get oh, into wait. the football? Oh, sorry. Hello. Some more things, just okay. really briefly. More yeah. football-related things than off the pitch. Uh, speculation that they were going to sack Steve Bruce. Uh, oh, of course. They, yes. of course, did 
did not. They let him take his 1,000th uh, match as a manager. Um, and as much as, you know, I wanted him sacked, I would have loved it if they walked in and said, get out, Goodbye. you're sacked yeah. right away, like within 15 minutes of them being there. Um, but what I do, even though they did not sack him, which is what every Newcastle fan wanted, they did put out a statement and they said, we, none of us have ever owned a football club before. We don't want to come in and make brash decisions and end up messing something sure. up. Uh, these people have been around a lot longer than we have. We're just going to let everything take its time. Mm. Um, they, that includes uh, Lee Charnley staying on uh, for the short term as okay. in a diminished role. He basically got demoted. Um, right. But they're, they were basically like, this, is, this guy's been with Newcastle for 15 years. Uh, you know, he knows the club a lot better than we do. So uh, just the communication with the fans is already better <laughs> than the last owners. So, you know what? Cheers. Hopefully, this was the last match of Steve Bruce, though. <laughs> yep. All right. You want to talk some football? All right. Yeah, let's do it. We are recapping, I think, four matches today. Yeah. A lot of uh, matches that weren't great to talk about. Yeah, um, that's true. But the ones that are good to talk about were very good, so... One of the best matches I've watched in a very long time happened yes. this weekend. So, mm. which um, one was that? You, I think you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, really quickly, uh, Watford zero, Liverpool five, uh, mm. was not the one one prediction I predicted. Uh, you know, uh, I guess the Watford players did not get their dinner paid for. Yeah, certainly not. Got that not even any away, pizza. Maybe. Yeah. Um, thrashed five nil. Uh, yeah. Southampton would beat Leeds, continuing Leeds. Yeah, Leeds. Pretty wow. horrendous pretty start bad. to the season. Yeah. Um, the uh, goal scorer was that man, Armando Broja. Yeah. Very, very fun player. I like yeah, him a lot. He looks like he could turn into a good player. Uh, Norwich zero, Brighton zero. Didn't watch this match. Didn't even watch the highlights. Don't care. Um, what else am I missing? Okay, our first match to talk about. Uh, a Derby day. Uh -huh. Uh, yes. My, I don't know, match of the season so far? Match of the season so far, yeah. Maybe. You watched it? Um... Bits and pieces. I was mm. doing a lot of stuff on Saturday, so right. I uh, I was not glued to the television like I once was. Yes. Um, did you watch this? I did not. I've just watched the highlights. I am sorry for you. I know. Uh, what sorry. a match. Uh, mm. First 30 minutes, uh, dominated by Villa. Um, Wolves were certainly on the back foot. Villa was coming after them wave after wave after wave um wolves would get a tiny little foothold after half an hour um but uh right after half time which it's wild that this match went into halftime at zero zero uh, villa should have been winning they come out of halftime immediately uh 
Danny Ings scores from a header, uh, diving header. Nice goal. Um, kind of a a low percentage chance that gets converted while they had, you know, much better chances earlier. But, you know, the dominant side takes a deserved lead. Uh, about 20 minutes later, uh, John McGinn from outside the box, driven shot, bottom left corner. Uh, Two nil up with twenty minutes left. Uh, ten more minutes would go by. Two nil lead with ten minutes left. You know, the I think the commentator at this point said, "You have to think this is game done after uh, John McGinn scored," which you know commentators curse and whatnot. Uh, Wolves would have a beautiful passing move. Um, which saw Roman Saiz pull one back after it was cut across. Uh, and then Villa uh, had a clearance nightmare, uh, which saw Connor Cody potentially stick it in, or Leandro Dendonker, or Marvelous Nakamba. Um, I'm not really sure who you would put the... Like, like who actually directed it into the goal. Um, all three of them kind of touched it. Um, it went down as Connor Cody's goal, um, but Leandro Dendonker was the one celebrating, and I think Connor Cody even celebrated as if Dendonker was the one who put it in. But yeah. who knows? Um, and then you know, right mm-hmm. after Villa Hearts were crushed, uh, Wolves they actually had a chance of their own and almost won it, put it uh, slightly to the right, and then gave away a set piece. Two Wolves in the 95th minute, and the writing was on the walls. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ruben Neves uh, would so. smash it into Matt Target's behind. The massive yeah. deflection dribbles it across the line. Uh, Wild celebration. Just, yeah, just what a match. Ruben Neves the, went crazy. Yeah. but A bit of a Wolves hero. Uh, oh led. yeah, he's still only twenty-four. Yeah, yeah, but um, I'm sure. Like as far as you know, that's what derbies are made for, right? Like, you know, a massive comeback and scenes at the end. And was this at Villa or at Wolves? Oh, this, this is at Villa. At Villa, yeah, at Villa. Yeah, but this is a um, bad capitulation from them, actually. Yes, quite bad. Um, especially the second goal. That never should have happened. But uh, Villa Park has their away section uh, down on the ground in the corner. It's quite wide. So they still got to celebrate with Wolves supporters. Um, yes. That's what, like yeah, a, a, f- a 25-minute drive from Wolverhampton? Unique, yeah, unique experience for, for visitors to um, whatever the stadium is called for Aston Villa. Yeah, no, I mean, even on the highlights, it looked like a, a really in, <clears throat> awesome game. Um, I'm wondering what the like atmosphere was before that final sort of, you know, 15 minutes. Um, but wow, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have much to add. You seem to um to sum that up really well. And I don't think someone who's watched the highlights can really say anything other than that. Um, other than the fact that I was like, yeah, just mentioning Ruben Neves's wild celebration from what what was actually i mean initially like when i saw the big deflection i was like oh that was just like a really bad free kick i actually think the free kick was quite good i think it was 
curling into a dangerous area, but I mean, it was stopped so quickly by Matt Target. Um, and the deflection was insane. Like, um, yeah, I thought that um, Emmy Martinez could... was sorry. Yeah, hold on. I got one quick sentence. I guess you could say Ruben Neves hit the mm. target. Oh, yes, wonderful. Um, <laughs> I thought Emmy Martinez was good again, but I mean, when has he not been basically since he's emerged as a sort of first team goalkeeper? Um, saved a, a shot from Triore and a, a couple of other things. So, he I also, don't know, Villa, sorry, yeah. He, Emmy Martinez played for Argentina against Peru, mm-hmm. took a 12 hour plane ride and played like 14 hours after his match that man is hungry he is hungry like he spent so long not basically like basically not being a proper professional footballer that even despite his age is like what 29 now he is like ravenous for games and like his his drive must be insane because who the hell does that that's just ridiculous um no yeah i think Villa have, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be a fun team, I think, this season. Uh, I think we've established that. I think they're in still in like a okay-ish position. They'll probably be, I think they'll probably be pretty disappointed with the start, given, given the investments they've made. But if they keep performing, uh, giving games like to us like that, then, you know. I, I still worry a bit for Wolves. You know, you have, you have, who is it? Two, two defenders scoring in Saiz and Dendonka. And the Dendonka one isn't really... I mean, I don't even know. It could be an own goal. And then, essentially, like, what is an own goal, even though it, I don't think it was given as an own goal, um, from Matt Target. Their forwards aren't firing. I think Jimenez scored the other week, but, you know, he's going to take a long time to get back, and I s- sort of doubt that he'll ever get back to the heights that he did pre-head injury. Um, and And then they sort of have no one else, so... Um, yeah, I still think that this was maybe a pretty lucky 3-2 victory from, from Wolves, but, you know, um, they have been actually quite exciting this season, uh, quite opposite from the Nuno years where, well, that's unfair. Um, the first couple of Nuno years, uh, especially in the championship and then maybe in the Prem were, were exciting and then it sort of, uh, uh, what's, what's the word for it? Like, when it all stale? But yeah, but Bruno Lage, like we know that he has a fun style of football. It's just that it hasn't really worked so far this season. But you know, the 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 results have been have been better in recent weeks, and you can't take this away from them. So I am sad I missed it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, cool. Three two, not the only three two this weekend, huh, Blake? Although I don't think we're going there quite yet. Um, um well, yes. just in terms of Please. so when I watch football, I normally, uh. Go to my totally legal uh, streaming site, uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, and I it, it shows you all the scores. Um, so you know, I normally will pick one that's kind of close. Um, you know, like I'll switch off a match that's three zero and go to one that's like two one right, or something. Right, right, right. Um, this this one would have been incredibly hard to watch that way because there was a very brief amount of time where this was a close match. Right. Um, it was really. 80 minutes of Villa and then, and then complete capitulation. Wolves. Yeah, that's so bizarre. Super, yeah. super bizarre. Uh, let's talk about another bizarre match. Yes. Uh, Leicester City, Manchester United. Yeah. Um, another week, another 
round of absolute drama surrounding Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Another week end of Man United fans going crazy on Twitter. A hilarious 4-2 loss for them. Uh, did you watch this? Because I, once again, I did not. So if you did watch it, you should probably talk about it. But I do have notes. I did not watch this match. Okay. Um, I will give it a go. We, you can please feel free to jump in. We always seem to have extremely similar notes, which is kind of weird, but there you go. Um, so I think this was a match where Leicester obviously deserved to win, uh, but it's one of those weird ones where they start super well and they end super well. So um, Leicester started very, very well. Um, they were um, right out the blocks looking to prove people wrong after what I will say is a, a mediocre start by their standards over the past couple of years. Um, despite the fact they started well, they did not score first. That honor went to Mason Greenwood, right? Yes, who once again scored a great goal. He always seems to score great goals. Um, he... Um, I think the shot was deflected, right? And... Um, or, or blocked rather, and he, the only word for it is lashed, uh, like this one from into the roof of the net from from, from uh, just outside the box to make it 1 0. Um, and then next on my notes is Harry Maguire's mistake, who I thought he had been. So obviously, Varane wasn't there, it was Lindelof in the starting lineup alongside uh, Maguire. And I thought Maguire was meant to be injured as well, but he started this game and he made a really funny mistake, um, which resulted in a absolutely extraordinary goal from um, Um Maguire was basically just a, as an aside, just really slow. I mean, I'm pretty sure he can, he must be able to see the defender coming, so he's either complacent or just arrogant about it. Um, but he, he's he's closed down, um, balls nicked off him, and. De Gea's off his line. So Tienemann's, I don't, is it a lob? Is it a chip? Either way, it's like a, a whipped, chipped ball um, from, from distance that loops over De Gea's head and, and goes into the, into the left uh, sort of hand corner of the goal. It is a sensational goal. I gasped when I saw it on the highlights. I was like, oh my God. It, um, it is so good. It's reminiscent of, of the Harry Kane if, one. I was going to say the Modiame. Oh, against Brighton, except Modiames was a back heel. Um, where it just Modiame not goal, by the way. yeah exactly, but not you you know, Tilemon is attempting to go for goal, but he's not attempting that technique. Like he's not no. saying I'm gonna do this weird whippy chip that he's curls just, in in a way. Yeah. He just knows, oh, De Gea's way off his line and very narrow. Um, right. And so, so he's putting yeah. it on goal has a very decent chance of going in. Um, yeah. and it just happens oh. to be yeah. a miraculous placement. So he's, it's, it's like the Harry Kane goal. I can't remember who he scored against, but it's, it's very similar to that. And um, it's a great goal from a, from a player who started the season a little bit rockily, but then again, so did Leicester. So. Anyway, um, I'll keep going. Leicester were um, probably, well, again, once again, sorry, guys. From the highlights, probably better um, throughout the, the rest of the first half at 1-1. Um, I think that 
Okay, I want to say that Paul Pogba, they they were they had the better, they were just pressed better in the midfield, basically. So Paul Pogba, I swear to God, like Paul Pogba is an incredible player, um, but he always gets caught in the midfield, always, always, always gets caught in the midfield, and his play throughout this match was indicative, I think, of the um, sloppiness. I guess is the word that Man United displayed. Um, I think they they just their midfield couldn't handle Leicester's midfield, and we know that people criticize Man U's midfield constantly, but this was the match where you could see it. I think you can also criticize the coaching or whatever as well because they just constantly were losing out on um, second balls or being closed down or just like being caught on the ball, losing possession. Um, but David De, Gea, um, David De Gea was bailing them out, basically. So Man U would lose the ball in the middle of the field. Leicester would have an attack. De Gea would save them. I mean, he made a couple, a few, I mean, and also David De Gea has been like pretty sensational this season, I would say. And he made some amazing saves, like the classic David De Gea with his feet saves um, over and over again. Anyway, um, do, oh my goodness. So Leicester go 2-1 up, right? Because Pat Zendaka, who's put on, um, he, uh, he like, is super dangerous, creates a bunch of space, has a shot on goal, which is blocked by David De Gea's legs, and then Soyonchu, I believe, puts it in. Um, yes. He has been shit this season. Um, I was going to say, Leicester should so, put him so up top uh, yeah. and just convert him to a striker. He's still young. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he's been dreadful. That turkey form um, or whatever, that turkey like Euros probably destroyed his confidence. Um, he'll get back. He'll be fine. He, he had a long injury as well. Um, but yeah, so he put it in, bundled it in. Um, and then very soon after, and we're getting what? Are we getting into the 80th, 80 plus minute now? 82nd um, minute. Yeah, Marcus Rashford on his return, his long-awaited return, after Uli Gunnar Solskjaer, who is increasingly just saying dickish things, by the way, was like, Marcus, you know, has to focus on his football now. Like, oh, he's done great things off the pitch, but focus on your football, Marcus. Which is such a stupid... Like, what the yeah. fuck does Shut that Shut up mean? and dribble. Stupid, yeah. Ex- exactly, that's the energy. I mean, and it's just like, what are you doing? Um, anyway, he... Um, Scored a great goal. He scored a pretty classic Marcus Rashford goal, I thought. Um, just With, It looked offside. Uh, it wasn't um, just off the shoulder of the man. Neat dribble. Slots of pass according. Um, excellent kind of pass from Victor Lindelof. Yes, very true. Um, who And Lindelof has that capability. It's just that Varane's even better than him. So, sorry, Victor. Um, but this was a great goal. Uh, and it then hilariously didn't matter because... Um, Iosi Perez, who played the majority of this match, who um, has not been good for Leicester recently, even though I still adore him as a player. Um, he uh, puts a ball into Jamie Vardy, who, I mean, what a goal, by the way. He, like, Iosi Perez from the left puts in a ball with spin on it on the ground, um, just sort of crossing it into the box. And Jamie Vardy hits it first time and redirects the spin. So it curls inside out into the top right hand corner oh so good uh yeah very nice such a good goal vardy celebrates um you know with the with the awesome vardy arrogance um because why wouldn't you um yes sorry 
really briefly in something that is becoming very reoccurring uh, in the broadcasts of football. This goal was almost missed by Peacock. Uh, oh yes, because yeah. they were just yeah. showing the replay of the Marcus Rashford goal over and yeah. over, over and, and over, over and over and over again. And they always do this with the big teams too. They, it's exactly. always with the big and teams. And so, as a result, they like as Ayose is putting it back. That's when the announcers like something's happening, <laughs> and they like mm-hmm. snap the camera to the other side of the pitch. Yeah, they need um, to get better at that, to be honest, because it's yeah. super annoying. They also do things it's- like. They'll linger on a coach or like linger. And when, when they always seem to do it at West Ham games, when like play is going on in a crucial part of the game and they're just like panning on a coach for no reason. Super annoying. But they, I think it's, you know, partly pandering to the infatuation with like coaches' reactions. Like, yeah. people love to watch, like, uh, look at David Moyes' passion when yeah. they scored Which the final goal. But, you know, as a result of them always trying to catch, you know, these reactions and, you know, right. talking points and, oh, no, I agree. man, no. look at Ole on the sideline, not shaking hands with Cristiano Ronaldo. That means da, 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 da. Oh, and then oh, in the meanwhile, oh, right. West yeah, Ham are parked on the top of the 18 of Man U um, yeah. and have a shot on target. And then they go, yeah. oh, by the way, you guys missed this. So, yeah. You know, we're oh, never going to yeah. win with broadcasters. No, for sure, no. Um, all good points. I will wrap this up with two things. Um, obviously, Daka puts the... No, I won't go cliche. Uh, Daka finishes off the match. Um, Cherry with... on the icing, on the cake. That's literally what I was going to say. Um, with, with a not a good goal, uh, but it was from a set piece. Um, and, you know, he's great so we love Pat Sandaka and good goal for him and then I will finish by just reiterating that I think I've flipped on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer I just don't like him now um, I'm still not gonna go on the bandwagon by saying you know like I shit coach or whatever I think he he has he does really good things and does just mediocre things all the time but um, I think maybe it's like just reflective of my uh, increasing dis- disillusion with um football culture i just don't like him i the, the the rashford comment super rubbed me the wrong way um and i think it's a matter of time now for Oli. i think we always constantly hear that they're gonna back him they're gonna back him they're gonna back him which i think is true but i'm not sure something seems a bit wrong um so yeah yeah you can only get back so many times uh, yeah, pretty much. Man U 2, Leicester 4. Good game. Yeah, wonderful. You literally love to see it. You really, um, really do. What's next? Uh, Man City beating Burnley 2-0. Um, Boring. Pretty expected, you know. Bernardo Silva's been very good this season. I think Bernardo and, Silva is an excellent player. And uh, Sterling, that, that's done now. That relationship is dead in the water and he will move on as oh did as he, he can, I think. not play no he did play um but pep so he gave that interview where he was like i he was basically like i'm i'm a move abroad like i'm done and then pep was like in his conference was like yeah i don't think i can guarantee him playing time really and then played him because <laughs> pep is weird but there's something it's strange because i mean i, I think we Raheem Sterling has done a huge, like a great job 
everyone used to despise him and now most people really like him that's mainly because of like the off the field stuff that he's done um so it's like kind of difficult not to like him um but he's also been excellent for man city so he's been integral to their recent success um but i think maybe it's time for him to move on every year pep guardiola does like single out a player to be like i don't care about you <laughs> anymore last year it was actually bernardo silva so um but i think maybe maybe it's time for raheem to to try something different and i think that that would be fun too i'm i'm all for english players moving abroad i i i, I love it i think it's great so um yeah we'll see I'll watch um, that space watch that space. yeah give me uh if he does leave england where is raheem yeah. sterling gonna go uh by munich i reckon that might be a good one um the if they only problem him. with Bayern is they've recently extended both Sané and Gnabry. So that that was my answer That's as true. well. That's true. Um, but but I think you know, Gnabry can play I think you could shoot all of them in he, to the side. He Maybe can not. play he's played right wing back, right wing, striker, yeah, camp, center mid, left wing. Yeah. When he was at Arsenal, he once played holding midfield. Yeah. Um, Gnabry has literally never forgotten how humiliated he was when he played in England, like Tony Pulis being like, you're shit. And he, like the fire of that is still within him. Like he just like such a angrily great player. Um, okay. Uh, then not Real, not PSG. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right. Newcastle. Haha. Um, it's a different country, right? Yeah. I'm sure you are. Um, I maybe yeah maybe he stays in the prem somewhere. Uh, I I mean it I would be think, like sensational if he went back to Liverpool, which would be awesome. I mean because they could use him to rejuvenate that front line. Um, I think he will leave though, basically, uh, unless he tries to outlast Pep, which is fine. Um, but I think something is a bit sour there. Well, anyway, yeah. talking about at last thing before mm-hmm. you know speculation can go on forever. Sure. Um, the weird report recently out of Pep. I don't know if you saw this. The Pep has told Man City that these will be his final eighteen months as Man City manager. Oh yeah, no, um, that's. I think that's that's a given. You think that's true? Yeah, that's gonna happen. He's right, already out. He's already stayed way too long in this job. Sorry, that's not true. He's already uh, been at Man City way longer than any other job, and we know that Pep like is very upfront about he needs breaks because he's like unhinged basically in a good way. Um, and he, so he's burns out and I think that he's just putting a cap on it. And I think, you know, there's no point. Pep Guardiola is so incredible and Jürgen, this will happen the same with Jürgen Klopp. I think that they leave on their own terms and they will be vocal about it because there's no point in keeping it secret because what's the point? Cause they've done too much with the clubs. So yeah, I yeah. think Pep will leave. He'll go on a sabbatical and then he'll be back. And it depends on how long he wants to be in management for. He'll be back either. Apparently he changed his mind a lot over lockdown and everything that happened. So initially he was like, I ain't gonna like manage until I'm like old. And he was always like, no way, I'm gonna retire. And now apparently he's like, lockdown happened and he was like, I have nothing to do in my life. So now apparently he's like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna manage for as long as I can. Um, he's super vocal about wanting to manage a national side or multiple I ones. Say. I beg, like Brazil or something would just be like 
chef's kiss. But um, like Mexico, can you imagine? Ugh. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, so I think I think we'll see him do a sabbatical. He'll go back to New York and and then you know new era. Yep, there you go. A lot of talking about Man City for yeah, <laughs> not a recap. Uh, boring. Yeah. Yeah, match day eight also saw Chelsea one Brentford nil with Ben Chilwell scoring. Yeah, uh, you know Ben whatever. Chilwell. So he's he's there. He's back. He's back. Um, one brief thing I would say is that Mal- Malong Saar made his debut in this match. Who was on loan at Porto last season? He was really really good. Apparently, he was um like ten clearances, a bunch of tackles, uh, super good passing accuracy. It was a bit of a back to wall um stuff for Chelsea actually to keep that clean sheet but um, Trevor Chalaber played again Chelsea just good man um, uh, Antonio yeah. Conte was like uh, Thomas Tuchel has no idea what he's doing with Romelu Lukaku which is a super interesting thing so watch that space but um, yep we don't need to talk about this game either screw Chelsea uh, um, yeah. what's next the uh, the Irons West Ham United mm. Versus the Everton Blues. Hey. Uh, what? All right. I guess the Everton Toffees. Yeah, the Toffees. I don't know yeah. what they're. Do they prefer Blues or do they prefer Toffees? Toffees, um, I think. That's a that's a better nickname, anyway. It's way better considering like Great six clubs lay claim to the Blues. Yeah, the Blues. Yeah. Um, Chelsea are the Blues. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would not want to share a nickname with Chelsea. Hell so. no. Um, yeah. Do you want to take this one away? Man, yeah, sure. So, um, wow. I wasn't, I was expecting a draw. Um, and I, I thought that, yeah, it's great that we beat Everton, um, who have been super, super good this season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great game. Uh, we dominated, I thought, uh, massively in the first half. Um, we didn't take any of our chances though um, I thought we were playing really well and with a lot of energy considering how much football these players have, have played so far this season um, what with international breaks and Europe and Cups and Premier League and the fact that Moyes never rotates um, we had a goal ruled out um, by VAR in the first half it was a objectively a good call um it was offside so check was offside when he managed to swivel and put in um jared bowen's shot that uh i think the goalkeeper parried um yep good save and it was a good save by pickford yeah it was a really good save by pickford and then you know another chance a really good chance for solomon rondon um from a townsend delivery uh in the first half um i think it was the first half Really, really good chance. Um, and if he had connected with it better, it, it would have been a goal. Um, Townsend, uh, super dangerous on the delivery. I think one of the best natural wingers of the season, and I guess maybe that's like a, a quite a small category because wingers don't play like that anymore, but Rafa has converted him into like this 2006-like style winger, and he's playing really well. He just looks great. I don't I kind of love it. Like he... He's just he's just playing really well, um, and then Ogbonna scores the winner basically in the second half. Um, scores from a corner, great header, um, and West Ham were 
the better side. Um, it wasn't an amazing match. Um, love the clean sheet. I love <laughs> the Ogbonna and Zuma are like embracing Romance. fiercely at the end. Absolutely love that. We've never seen that really before at West Ham. Um, Johnson was in at right back. I'm not sure if Sofal's injured actually or if he's just burnt out. Um, maybe a little bit of both. Um, and he was he was he was good. He was solid. Um, hopefully he'll just continue growing into into a really useful player for us. Um, he's still very young. Um, finally, Moyes isn't just like last season. Moyes literally played him against only the likes of City and Liverpool, and for no reason whatsoever. So finally, he's getting some more reasonable playing time for us. Um, and then Jared Bowen, who got the assist, player of the season for us so far. Uh, probably. I don't know how he's doing it. Um, he just has boundless energy. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, just satisfying. And now we are, what, level on points with United, a point off fourth. We are doing great in the Europa League. I mean, what a, what a time to be a West Ham fan. Come on. Yeah. Um, I don't have much else to add. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was a very six on game. target. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a great match, but I we weren't very West good. Ham, yeah, we weren't great. Yeah. I think West Ham were still a better side. Yeah, I think um, we were better too. Yeah. Ben Johnson was given man of the match. Yeah, Ben Johnson was given man of the match. He was, he was good. He was really good. Very interesting. I saw that he was given man of the match and I was like, oh, he must have scored. And I'm like, oh, nope, Angelo Ogbonna scored. I'm like, oh, Ben Johnson must have gotten the assist. I was like, nope, he didn't get the assist. Um, no. So Ben Johnson is cool. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's West Ham through and through, and he has. I can't remember who he's. I think he's like the nephew of someone uh, who played for West Ham or something. So we love to see it at West Ham, and I think that my dad. Oh my god, my dad. And I'll end with this. Like I swear, my dad thinks he's so bad. He's rubbish. Um, so I'm sure that he enjoyed seeing him actually play well this um, today. Yeah. Um... Also, just some things to say about Everton. Um, mm. Really enjoying the type of football they play. Uh, it is not modern at it's all. Modern. It, it is no. like Sean Dyche. It's uh, literally like 2005. Like Yeah, but it's fun to watch. I like watching Salomon Rondon. Um, yeah. I think he is a, a a type of player that doesn't really exist in the premier league anymore because there's such a oh. emphasis on your your striker should be you know pacey and strong and a phenomenal finisher and great at dribbling and yeah. you know d he has to do everything perfectly to be considered a great premier league striker because the standard is so high but yeah. he is a strong slow bully yeah. uh and uh He's fun to watch. He looks great with his hair. Um, he does. I, really, I dig it. Um, and uh, a January transfer that will not happen but would make a lot of sense is Matt Ritchie to Everton. Uh, Ooh. Big crossers. Uh, cheap. <laughs> uh, and then Matt Ritchie and Rafa Benitez love each other. So. Um, yes. Um, I'm sorry. Yes, all good. Can I just say one, one last thing? Uh, Declan Rice, once again. I mean, come on. Uh, he is so good. Like, yeah, Ireland's at this point, own. it's like, please don't go to Manchester United because 
they'll ruin you. Um, he he can do go anywhere at this point. At this point, it's like I I think even the likes of like Man City and Liverpool might take him. Um, he's so good. Anyway, we are done with uh, with West Ham. Yeah. Um, Our last game. Yeah, n- not a very good match. So uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, it was, I think, like one statistic that really shows who Newcastle are under Steve Bruce is uh, one shot on target, two goals. Uh, that is like just, you know, that's the way we play. Um, of course, the football is secondary. Um, the yeah. today was, you know, just reasons. about, it was, oh yeah, l- literally yeah. for multiple reasons. Um, the atmosphere pre-match was unlike anything I've seen as a Newcastle supporter. Um, yeah, there were, there were people just like when, um, local hero was playing, they're just people crying. Um, which was a great thing to see. Good tears. Um, and the match started unbelievably well. Um, a, a goal to, you know, really cap off a incredible 10 days as a Newcastle supporter. Um, a beautiful team goal with Callum Wilson, who is one of the worst headers in the Premier League, scoring a headed goal. Um, a very good headed goal, by the way. Uh, and St. James Park was just, you know, blown off the top. Um, it didn't last, but, you know, some people seem to have forgotten that, you know, Newcastle were in 19th place. Um, multiple results from safety. Um, yeah. And then we're shocked when we lose to, you know, a I'm classical top them. six side. Yeah. Um it, uh, you know, Tangi and Dumbele belted home an equalizer 15 minutes later. Yeah. Um, Harry Kane scored an offsides goal, which VAR overruled um, correctly. Um, which yeah, that was a I will one. say, this is, you know, uh, pundits saying Harry Kane is back. Uh, oh, Newcastle are the number one team for players who are out of form to score against. It happens with every, you know, every big, big player. Obama Yang, when he had his horrible run, mm-hmm. he scored two against Newcastle. People were like, oh, you know, the drought is over. Yeah. He went right back into the drought afterwards. Um, tons of players do this. Where, you know, it's just Newcastle are really bad defensively. So, um, but Harry Kane scored. Um, and then um, sort of... Uh, a really beautiful moment in a nightmare of a situation. Um, yeah. 37th minute about, uh, there was a Spurs corner and all you can see from the TV camera is Jamal Lascelles and, uh, Sergio Regalon, yeah. uh, running over to the ref and frantically motioning towards the crowd. Um, yeah. eventually all the players, uh, the ref didn't really seem like he was going to stop play, um, but all the players pretty much were like, stop play. Um, Eric Dyer uh, and uh, someone else, not sure who, uh, ran over 
to the where the dugouts are, got the physios, had the physios run across. Um, there were two doctors in the stands who were just visiting, who were just watching the match for fun. Um, and the combination of those uh, came to the aid of a man yeah. who had collapsed due to cardiac arrest. Yeah. Um, and literally because of the you know fast actions yeah. of Again. many people, um, he is alive and conscious. And, and, and the fact is, that there was a defibrillator in the, in the stadium. Yeah, the it was really cool. Um, Peacock, you know, thanked the Leicester City ex-player, whose big thing is getting defibrillators yeah. in grounds. I, I he has a very English name, I forget. Um, like Lee Smith or Bruce Smith or something like okay, that. Yeah. Um, but you know, they were like, they were like, yeah, that's the reason why you see defibrillators in stadiums is because he has this charity where he's donated like two thousand. Um, across the top eight tiers of English football. Um, so it was a really cool moment. The game was delayed for 20 minutes. Um, yeah, and uh, the Sergio Regalon um, got a standing Didn't ovation. Did he get a standing ovation? Yeah. Yep, as the play was resumed, which was cool. Um, just, you know, like a nice some things are bigger than football moment. Um, yeah, and then unfortunately they uh, started the game again, and Youngman's son scored immediately, uh, which was very weird. The atmosphere for like the thirty minutes after this event were just so strange. Just really, nobody was up for it. The players weren't up for it. Um, it was very strange. It took a while for the game to really start going again. Um, John Joe Shelby would come on and get uh, two yellow cards within five minutes and get sent right back off um, which hopefully is the last time he ever dons a Newcastle kit um, although as long as Bruce is here uh, he probably will get some games um, and then Eric Dyer with a pure striker's finish uh, yeah, heads it down onto his own knee and then knees it about six inches to the left of Lloris. Um, yeah. And uh, just, you know, a very flattering scoreline for Newcastle, who were quite uh, toothless today. Um, but those first 15 minutes, unlike anything I've seen in a long time. So. Yeah, and what a goal from Callum Wilson as well, who is so good. Yeah. Uh, his goal scoring record, it it's something it's like yeah. you know, uh, seventeen goals over the last fifty matches, uh, which seems bad. In like well, it seems minutes. average, but yeah, per minutes, it's something yeah. like a goal every other match. Um, yeah. So just an incredibly important player for Newcastle. Um, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, that yeah, is our recaps. Mm-hmm. Arsenal will play Palace tomorrow. Um, yeah, that should be a good Oscar, game, actually. Yeah, Oscar needs a, a Arsenal victory to uh, match me on my predictions. Um, yeah. Speaking of predictions, we decided we we're going to do them on the fly this match we'll do day. It. So, Oscar Saywell, would you start. like me to go first? I'll go. Or would you like to go I'm first? Typing. 
Arsenal Villa. Um, I think this is the first game, and I'm going for a uh, two-one Arsenal victory. Fair enough. You want me to go next? You want to sure. trade off? Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? All right. Um, I am going to go uh, Wolves two one leads. Ooh, like that. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Um, uh, can I go? Yeah. Everton. Everton. Watford. Um, that's gonna be Everton bouncing back. Victory. Uh, well, we didn't really touch it. Liverpool were insane against Watford, by the way. Um, uh, shout out Mo Salah for another in- incredible goal. I agree with Jurgen Klopp. He's the best player in the world right now. Um, maybe Kareem Benzema rivals him. Um, right now, let me say. Uh, and for this match, I think Watford will lose again. I don't think the Ranieri thing is going to work out, and they will lose two 0 to Everton away from home. Fair enough. Um, I am going to make you a happy man. Uh, West Ham 3, Tottenham Hotspur 1. Wow, that's quite the prediction. I love it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big win. Um, Oh, I love that. I hope so. Brentford, Leicester City. I'm going to back the Brents to win. I'm going to back the Bees to win. Oh my god. It's a tough one. 2-1. Strange prediction, but whatever. It's fine. Okay. I'll go Leicester beating Brentford 1-0. Lovely. Um, And we will see if I can make up some ground. Oscar Saywell, are you ready yes. for some questions? I always am. I will uh, start with a caution for you that I know you will not get this first one. Oh, okay, damn it. It is just... Too hard. If if you get it, I know you're looking at my notes. There's like no way you could guess this player. Um, This is themed as always, and because there has been some takeover talk in the last two weeks. This is also takeover related, not Newcastle related, but the Manchester City takeover. I'm joking. Only the player is. Uh, the <laughs> theme is Manchester City. The player is takeover related. Nice. He is a quite the journeyman. Um, almost the journeyman of all journeymen. Um, has played in like 14 countries, I believe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten countries in his career. He started off at uh, Lecce in Italy um, before going to Fiorentina where he was quite good as a youngster, broke through in a very good Fiorentina side. Um, He would have brief loan moves away before being purchased uh, for an undisclosed fee in the pre-takeover Manchester City. The, like, very, very pre-takeover. He 
was not very successful, did not play a lot of matches, uh, 11 in total over four years, uh, before bouncing around to a load of clubs, Parma, Sporting, Hellas Verona, Vicenza, uh, Levski Sofia, Ternana, Partizan Belgrade, where he was unbelievable, uh, Mezu Haika, Lausanne, Rijeka, Botev Vratasha, back to Levski Sofia, Botev Vratashka again, Peshkara, before ending his career with this club in 2021. Can you tell me where Valeri Bajanov is, the Bulgarian? Oh. Uh, uh, okay, first of all, absolutely not. I'm even struggling to know who this uh, who this player is. Um, I, I think I remember. Um, uh, uh, hell no. I have no idea where he is. Where is he? He retired this year with his third stint with Levski Sofia. Oh, wow. Um, in Sofia, Bulgaria. Name uh, first name, Valeri. Like yeah. the common name, last name Bojanov, B O J I N O V. Um, big dude, like very muscular, squatty kind of guy. Oh yes, no, okay. So I just I googled him to look at his face. Yeah, no, I remember. I I I know this guy. Vaguely. He scored his. Or no, he made his debut against West Ham. Um, oh really? I think his only goal ever was against Everton, maybe. Um, wow. Wow. But, you know, uh, it's like players like that, like I wonder if they hate their careers or if they kind of, in a way, love them. I don't know. Probably hate. Uh, maybe, considering maybe. he's been the, married. Okay, the last dude. few years, the last few years are really, really rough. But I mean, he's been so many places. That's kind of cool. Like, look at all these places he's been. Yeah, I mean, for Botev Vracha, yeah. seven goals in eleven appearances. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. But uh, you know, married two different Playboy models. Um Oh, all right. Good yeah. Uh yeah, that's that's pretty it. Pretty much it. Um I don't remember him, but he was caught up in this like was purchased by Man City by a previous regime yeah, and, and then- was yeah highly rated and then taken over and not in the plans and sort of had his entire uh, career ryan fraser vibes yeah Yeah. sure ryan fraser uh played holding midfielder holding midfield ryan fraser yeah uh five Um, foot two holding midfielder and he's been shit for you also apparently he's a dick yeah it doesn't matter um okay wow that was that was a good one okay keep keep going what's next um Yes, uh, Manchester City, with the takeover, uh, mm-hmm. created the illustrious City Football Group, uh, which has, uh, you know, been in... It's a very interesting um, football business model um, that, you know, it kind of... It's uh, an excellent idea, and it's also pretty bad for world football. Um but can you tell me how many clubs are a part of City Football Group? Oh yeah. Um, oh my god. There's so two answers. Yeah, you can try. Okay. Um, let me let me do it. So we have Manchester City. Yep. Uh, Girona FC. Hidona, yep. I guess. 
NYCFC. Yep. Melbourne. Yep. Mumbai. Yep. One in the J League. Is it Yokohama F Marinos? That one? Yes, it is. Oh my God, how many am I at? One, two, three, four, five. Jesus, I'm only at five. I think so. There's. Is there eight, maybe? Eight or nine? Eight? There's one in China, I think. No? Is it the. The one. Does it begin with an S? Yes. Sichuan. Sichuan something. I don't know the yep. other bit. Sichuan what? Sichuan something. I don't know. Like and that's, it. that's all I know. Junior. I don't know anything else. Oh, um, did I say Mumbai? Yes, you in did. India. Okay, no. Then Mumbai City. Mumbai is a different Mumbai club. City. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, that's all I know. But okay, I'll go. Yep. I'll go eight. Eight. Is there eight? Almost. There are nine. Oh, no. Uh, Melbourne City of Australia, Yokohama F Marinos of Japan, New York City FC, one of the worst clubs in the MLS. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Montevideo City Torque oh, uh, in Uruguay, uh, Hirona mm-hmm. in Spain, uh, Sichuan. Uh, my Chinese pronunciation is absolutely horrendous. We could shout uh, Jenny over it's like to like oh. or something like yeah. that. Um, Mumbai City in India, Lommel in Belgium, uh, Troy, Lommel. France. Oh, uh, really? th- that is their nine official, and then uh, the two sort of non-official ones, but are their partner yeah. clubs, but not part of the city football group. Is Bolivar in Bolivia, and uh, Vaughn in f- the France fourth oh. division. Right. Um, so technically nine, sometimes 11. Um, wow. yeah, there right, you go. Then. I think it's one of those things where, you know, every club would love to have this sort of system where you have a plethora of clubs that your owners own and you could theoretically yeah. send anyone you want out on loan to get proper first team football with um yeah like a la the red bull system or the city football group system uh, but if your club doesn't have one of these uh you pretty much hate yeah this system um yeah, yeah. there you go yeah. newcastle's only um, partner yeah. club is uh knotts county so mm, lovely that's it um I okay yes uh good question I'm gonna have to ask the next three to be rapid fire because I've just realized yep. what the time is but no worries yes. what was Man City's first name like the original name uh pass I have absolutely no idea <laughs> Ardich football club what all right um what was Manchester City's original kit colors green almost um. The proof in writing is black with a white cross because they oh. were a church club. Oh, okay. Um, and then the only proof of a photo is in the 1940s, uh, a red and black kit. Oh, um, oh yeah. right. And then my final question for you. 
Uh, Raheem Sterling is Ooh. City's top active goal scorer. Um, who is their second top active goal scorer? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, the, wait, sorry. Oh, like in the current squad, everyone? Yes, active players. Like active uh, and with Man City. That's a good idea. That's a good question. That's an awesome question. Kevin De Bruyne? No. Oh. Uh, with the third most goals in Manchester City history, what? Gabby Jesus is the second active top goal scorer. Yeah, with 85 yes. career goals for Man City. That's insane. Wow. Um, that's why I put it on here. Just a wild That is uh, super thing. wild. Wow, great question. All right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, right. With that being said, this has been episode yes. eight. Um, it has been you know, follow, email, rate, review verbally abuse oscar on twitter uh and have an excellent day i'm standing